Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. We don't always make good decisions, do we? There was a story the Associated Press picked up several years ago. It was a really great story about uh, a guy in France who at the time was 47 years old. And he saw an apartment that he wanted to buy, but it wasn't for sale. So he approached the lady whose name was Jean Clement. She was 90 years old, right? He's 47, she's 90. And he says, you know, would you sell the apartment? She says, no, I don't want to sell it. He says, how about this? I'll make you a deal. I'll pay you $500 a month for your apartment until you die. And whatever, at that point, when you die, whatever I've paid, that's the amount, and, and I'll take the apartment. And she agreed. She was 90. He's 47. He's thinking, man, this is a great, this is a good decision. Little did he know that Jean Clement would become the oldest woman ever, and she lived 120 years old. And he died when he was 77. She literally outlived him. And so he, over the course of those 30 years he'd been paying for the apartment, he spent $184,000 on an apartment he never actually lived in. He thought he was really shrewd and he thought he was really smart. He thought he was making a good decision, but it turned around to find out it really wasn't a good decision after all. I'm sometimes amazed at my capacity to make dumb choices. Are you for yourself? I mean, don't we do that sometimes? The worst times are when I make those choices or those decisions, and I know ahead of time, I probably shouldn't do this. You ever had those moments? Like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, and you do it anyways, and then you realize later, that was a really bad decision. What was I thinking? The problem was I wasn't thinking at the time I made that bad decision. Now, I'm not alone. I know that because if you don't believe me, go to YouTube and look at the fail videos. They're everywhere. It's a moment in time when someone said, I think I'm going to do this. I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyways. And they crashed and burned. Good decisions, bad decisions. How do we avoid ruining our lives? You know, it's, our lives are made up of decisions, right? These decisions we make. Sometimes they're, you know, we can make a bad decision. It's not the end of the world. We should have gone to that restaurant instead of that restaurant. Not a big deal, right? But there are decisions that when we make those, we can literally ruin our lives. We are all only one bad decision away from ruining our lives. Think about that. We're only one bad decision away from ruining our lives, from throwing everything we, we have worked so hard, our reputation, our image, whatever it is, we just flushing it down the toilet, just one bad decision away from doing it. And that's a little scary, isn't it? When you think about it that way. Well, today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. We're in a series called Chasing the Wind. It's about the life of the wisest man that has lived. His name's Solomon. And he is, in this, what we're going to look at today, he's also the writer of Proverbs, along with some other books of the Bible. And in Proverbs, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a book of wisdom. And in this particular passage in, in Proverbs chapter 4, it is a, um, if you can kind of picture this, all right, he's, he's going to be um, kind of talking to his son. So if you're a parent or grandparent, just picture it, because you've done this before. You've sat down with your kids, your grandkids, and, and you've made those bad choices. You've, you've made some, you know, some, done some stupid things, and you want to help them avoid those same things you've done, right? So you sit down and go, hey, son, daughter, don't do this, okay? Because if you do this, it's going to cause some heartache. It's going to cause some problems. I don't want you to go down the same road. I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. So I'm going to give you this piece of advice, and you hope they live it out, right? Now, sometimes we're hard-headed. We get that advice, and we, we, we think, well, 
that was them, and I'll do my own thing. We find out that they were right. But this is what Solomon's doing here in Proverbs chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Um, and we're going to only look at verses 10 through 27, but I want you to listen to this fatherly advice. Just picture yourself sitting down with your son or daughter and giving them this advice. Again, wise Solomon. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 10. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instruction. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving, for evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter, brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Now, he's going to list some body parts, and he's going to talk. This is the how-to part of the message. I love it, very how-to. I love how-to kind of things. Here's what he says. Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. A lot of times people talk about the Bible and they go, well, I don't really understand the Bible. Or, you know, you know it's, it's, it's kind of really heady or, or it's, it's kind of over, you know, just, just kind of like ethereal or whatever. This is a very how-to portion of the Bible. This is Solomon saying, hey, here's what you need to do to avoid ruining your life. Son, daughter, this is what you need to do. It, it, put this in your life. Because if you do this, it'll give you life. And I think we all want to have life. I don't think I've ever met anyone who intentionally set out to destroy their life. Have you? Like I've never, I don't think people rationally do this. I don't think we wake up one morning and go, you know, it looks like a perfectly good day to ruin my life. Like I think I'll destroy my marriage today. I think I'll go ahead and, and do something really stupid so I get fired from my job today. I think I'll make some really poor financial decisions today. That would be really good, wouldn't it? We don't do that. It's a series of events. It's a series of small choices, of small bad decisions that lead to bad, bad decisions that ruin our lives. We're all just one poor decision away from destroying our lives, from ruining our lives. We don't want to do that. So let's look at what he has to say to his son, and let's see if we can apply it to our lives. And then later, we're going to come to the baptism part, and that's a decision, a really good decision that some of you probably have already placed your faith in Jesus. That's the best decision a person can make. But some of you who have done that and have never followed through in believer's baptism, that would be a really good thing to do today, especially as we're talking about these good decisions versus bad decisions. So the first thing he says, again, he just lists parts of the body, which again, makes it real easy to understand. He tells his son, you need to guard your heart. That's the first thing to do if you want to avoid ruining your life. Guard your heart. 
You're going to hear the word guard in all of these things because I think it fits. Guard is something you do when you have something valuable. You guard it, right? We need to guard our heart. Guarding anything that you have, you're going to put guards over it. The tomb of the unknown soldier. You guys know what that is? Well, it's, it's a very important um, part of our country. And since 1937, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, they are guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. And it doesn't matter what the weather's like. It could be sleeting, snowing, hot, cold, whatever. They are going to protect that tomb. Fort Knox, the most guarded place on the planet. $6.22 billion of gold is there right now. You guys want to go? Let's go, man. That's a lot of money. But you're not going to walk in there and take it. You know why? Because they've got all kinds of ways of guarding that. There's, there's physical protection. There's electronic pr uh, protection and other ways we don't, wouldn't even know. Because it's valuable. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Solomon tells his son, you need to guard your heart. Here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go look at it again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guarded above all else. It determines the course of your life. Now, it's interesting in Scripture when you see the heart. Obviously, we know, and generally speaking in the Scripture, when it talks about the heart, it's not talking about that organ inside of you that's uh, pumping blood throughout your body. It's not talking about that. It's talking about who you are inside, really, who you are. When you talk about a heart, in fact, in Scripture, the heart and the mind are, are, are closely linked. You'll see that almost interchangeably talked about. The heart is where our passions come from. It's where our will comes from. It gives us our capacity to choose, making these decisions. It separates us from any other kind of creation that God gave us. Animals don't have the, that capacity. They just run on instinct. We, we can choose. And it's very powerful. And so Solomon tells his son, you need to guard your heart. Because it will determine the course of your life. We need to put these guardrails in. We need to make sure that our hearts are pure and clean. And, and it tells us in Psalm 139, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the past path of everlasting light. That's a great prayer. Search me, O God. It's a scary prayer. Because if you pray that prayer, God will search you. And he knows already. He doesn't have to look very hard to find those issues with us. And he says, the psalmist says, just test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search my heart, O God. That's a, that's a great prayer. You know, and you're going to get a lot of wisdom thrown at you, but it's a lot of times it's worldly wisdom, right? We, worldly wisdom can be good, but sometimes worldly wisdom will lead us down the wrong path, especially when it comes to the heart, because there is a saying that people use all the time. You may have told somebody this. They're, they're trying to figure out what to do next. They've got a big decision on the horizon. And here's, the, here's, what, here's this worldly wisdom that we give them that is, I mean, like the worst thing you can possibly tell somebody, and we tell them this, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And we know what it means, right? We know what they're trying to say. Just follow your heart. The problem is that's not what Scripture teaches. In fact, the Scripture teaches is the opposite. It says you need to be careful because the heart is deceitful above all else. Like your heart will fool you. Your emotions will kind of stray you in the wrong direction. Don't follow your heart or you will eventually ruin your life because your heart is going to lead you 
sometimes away from the thing that God wants you to do. Instead of following your heart, you need to submit your heart to the control of the Holy Spirit. Because God will direct your path. So when we pray, search me, O God, and know my heart, what we're saying is, God, show me what I need to do. Show me those areas in my life that need to be adjusted and cleaned up because I'm, I'm not always doing the right thing. Now, here's the thing. The human heart is, is really interesting because if, if we continue to kind of move away from the things of God, what happens is, is we, we kind of get, our heart gets kind of calloused. The more that you say no to God, the more that you kind of do your own thing, your heart becomes callous to the things of God. But the great thing about God is that he has the capacity to transform the human heart. No matter what you've done, no matter how many bad decisions you've made, no matter how hard your heart has been, he can change the human heart. Here's what it says in Ezekiel. God said, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. That's, a, that's boy, that, that is what I'm hoping all of us have, a tender, responsive heart. When God says, go, we need to go. When God says, jump, we need to jump. When God says, when God says to do this, we do that. Whatever it is, just saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Living in that obedience that God wants us to live in. So, so Solomon's first thing he tells his son is that you need to guard your heart. The second thing if you want to do, if you want to avoid ruining your life, is guard your mouth. Yeah. How many of us have ever got ourselves in trouble with our big mouths? Just come on. Can I see those hands? Yes. Okay. I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. It gets me in trouble a lot. I just got to tell you that. I, it is. I, you got to guard your mouth. Um, here's what it says. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What's in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth if you're not careful, if you don't guard your mouth. You ever had anybody that blow up on you and say some things really, really just like, I mean, just berate you and then later they come around because they're, they're thinking, they're feeling bad and they say, I, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. No, you meant it. That's why you said it. You just didn't guard your mouth because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth spoke. That was in your heart and it just came out of your mouth. And once it's out, we all know this, once, once we speak those words, you can't get them back. It's like the proverbial trying to put the toothpaste back in the, in the tube. It doesn't work. It's out. You can't change that. Sometimes I think we need to follow our mother's advice. If you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. I think that'd be best for most of us. And the scripture talks a lot about the, the, the power of, of our words and, and how to use those correctly. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Key word there is let everything you say be good and helpful. I know we, most of us, we don't get it right. It says this foul and abusive language. Think about what comes out of our mouth and think about the percentage of what is, is good and helpful and what is not. I mean, over the course of, the, of, a, of a week, if you were to just kind of analyze your, your speech, how you've used your mouth, I think most of us, unfortunately, we're probably doing a lot of damage with our mouth. Things like, uh, you know, swearing. I mean, I can't believe how, how people just cuss these days. I mean, it's like just 
like they don't even think twice about it. The average man, listen to this, the average man has 58 cuss words in his vocabulary. The average woman has 28 words. You gotta pick it up, women. You know, there's something wrong with you. you <laughs> Slacking. But it's not just cursing, it's, it's lying, it's gossiping, arguing, complaining, grumbling, putting down others, sarcasm, as I mentioned a second ago. But here's what Solomon told his son in Proverbs 4.24, avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech. In Proverbs 18.21, he said this, the tongue has the power of life and death. That's, pretty, that's powerful, right? The tongue has the power of life and death. Are your words life-giving or are they bringing people down? Are they destroying people? In James chapter 3, James says people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You know, I really think it would be a good exercise for us to do as we take some inventory about our words. I mean, just maybe at the end of the day or maybe at the end of the week, just kind of replay a little bit. Probably at the end of the day because we forget after a few days what we've said. But just think what comes out of our mouth. Better yet, be proactive as it's before it even comes out. Think about what we're going to say. But if we were to do an inventory and say, okay, what percentage of my words are helpful, good, life-giving, um, are, are, are building people up? What percentage are those? And, and what percent are, are just the opposite? I think that would scare us. And what Solomon says to his son is say, hey, son, listen, I'm just telling you, avoid all of that perverse talk and foul language and all that. Just avoid it. Be, be uplifting in the way that you use your mouth. And I'll tell you what, it would probably save us all a lot of trouble if we'll do that. So he says, guard your heart, guard your mouth. But then he says, guard your eyes. If you want to avoid ruining your life, guard your eyes. He basically tells his son, stay focused. We're going to talk more about focus next week. But in Proverbs 4, 25, it says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Guard your eyes. If you don't guard your eyes, it will lead you in a bad place. It leads to covetedness. Like I want what I don't have. You have it. I want it. It leads to greed. It leads to envy. It leads to lust. In fact, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Kevin talked about the, the three main areas of sin that the Satan uses, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This would be the lust of the eyes. And Solomon's saying, hey, look, be careful with your eyes. You remember the garden, in the Garden of Eden, how Satan used that? The fruit, and Eve was looking at it, and the Bible says it, it appealed to her. It looked good, and it would surely make her wise. And so she ate of the fruit, lust of the eyes. We have to be real careful what we do with our eyes. We have to stay focused and not let our eyes wander. And in Psalm uh, 101, listen to this. This would be another great prayer. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. We have access now to the internet. There's all kinds of things floating around out there that are unhealthy for our eyes. Even when you're not looking for it, it seems to just pop up on your screen sometimes. 
And what we need to do if we're going to really avoid ruining our lives, we need to really just stay focused on the things that we need to be looking at and, 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 and the other things we need to just get our eyes off of. Not click on that, not go down that street, not, not do what we, need, we know we shouldn't be doing. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? Well, he tells us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfect, perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I'll, I'll, that's a great passage of scripture. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, look, what we need to do is recognize that we're surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses. I, I don't know. There's a lot of debate on what that means, but it's, you know, I kind of picture the heavens and all the people have gone before us and, and, and the saints of God, and they're cheering us on as we're facing the decision of what am I going to do? Am I going to make the right decision, the wrong decision? Because we're, we're all only one bad decision from ruining our lives. So they're cheering us on like, hey, make the right decisions. They, they focus. And then he says, here's the example. Here's how you do that. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Just keep focused on Jesus. And then he tells us what Jesus did. And this is what I love. Because this is really, if you, if you hear nothing else I say today, this is the best part of anything. He says, we, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. But Jesus was so focused, wasn't he? Like he, he was so focused and, he, and his feet were always moving toward the cross. He knew he was going there. And he, didn't, he, didn't, he never veered off of that. And it says for the joy awaiting him, like he knew the cross was not, it, it, like, it was painful, it was cruel, it was, it was gonna take the, the weight of the sin, sin of the entire world on him. He knew what was waiting for him, but he considered it joy. Not happiness, but joy, because he knew what it would result in and us having the capacity to be in right relationship with God because of what Jesus did by going to that cross, and it allowed us to have a relationship with him and have our sins forgiven and to be able to become followers of Jesus and follow through in believers' baptism. For the joy awaiting him, that's what Jesus did. And you may be here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. The best, the most important decision that any person can make is what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. Like you're either going to receive him or reject him because there's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. There really isn't. A lot of people try to find that middle ground. It's not there. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. And that decision of, of, of saying yes to Jesus and then following through in believers' baptism, the, the baptism doesn't save you. It's your relationship with Jesus that does. It's what he did to make that possible. And this is what, this is what I think the most, that's why I say this is the most important thing of all of this message. Because the rest of it is good. I mean, it's good information. We need to do this. But at the end of the day, we don't always get it right, right? Like we don't always have the right heart. We don't always have the right things to say. We don't always point our eyes in the right direction. We don't always do that. And so therefore we need Jesus, a relationship with Jesus for forgiveness when we fall short and we don't make the kind of decisions we want to make. Because even, because many of us have done this, we've made some really poor decisions. 
and big, poor decisions. And in your mind, you did ruin your life. But can I tell you this? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, if you've got breath in your lungs, it's not too late. That God can turn around any situation in anybody in any heart. And we're never too far gone for God. And so as a word of encouragement, you're, it's, I know that many of us, have, you'll live with the mistakes you've made, of course. There, there, there's the consequence of those decisions. But it doesn't mean you have to live in that regret all your life. You can place your faith in Jesus and live a life of victory from this point forward. So he says, guard your heart, guard your mouth, guard your eyes. And then finally, he says, guard your feet. Guard your feet. Now, there's this process I want to show you. Let me give you the verses that he says first. He says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, there's this process that leads us in the wrong direction. And, and, and it it's, it's kind of starts with the eyes, and it moves to the heart, and then eventually to the feet. We see something. We want it. Our heart goes after it, chases after it. Long before our feet do, eventually our feet will follow. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I'll use an example everybody can make. Let's say I'm, I'm, I'm you know, scrolling uh, on the internet and I see a picture of somebody who's got a stringer full of fish. I mean, they got, but I got some big fish on that stringer. And my eyes see that. And my heart says, man, how'd they do that? What, what, are they, what, what, what bait are they using? And then in this thing, they added, they said, well, I was using XYZ bait, okay? And I think to myself, man, if I had that bait, that could be me in that picture. So my eyes begin, and then my heart starts kind of picturing that all happening. And before I know it, my feet are walking down the sporting good aisles at, at, at Walmart. You with me? Like, I'm, I'm going to follow through now. But now, now let's do adultery, shall we? We let our eyes wander a little bit. We see somebody. The affections of our heart follow, which clouds our decision-making. And the next thing you know, our feet are leading it to a path of destruction. Solomon says, son, don't, don't make these mistakes. And Solomon spoke from examples, from experience. He, he knew. And we're talking about his demise next week. But he's trying to warn his son, like, don't do this. Guard your feet, guard your eyes, guard your heart, guard your, guard your mind. It's like a gymnast on a balance beam. You ever seen a gymnast? They don't focus. What do they do? They fall. When I, when I was um, high school, early college, I had a part-time job at a golf course. I've told you that before. And I was always amazed because I usually worked doing this other things, but the guys that were full-time guys, they, they did like the fairways and the greens and all that. They cut the greens. And if you ever look at a golf course, man, it's, it's pristine. And those lines, you know, like how they do that with the lines, everything looks good. It's like, how do they do that? How do they get it so straight? Like, how does that work? And I asked a guy one time that one of those guys on there, I said, how do you make those lines so straight? I said, so here's, he said, here's the key. Don't look what you're cutting. Look ahead. Pick out something out there and go straight to that and you'll go straight. But if you look here, you won't walk straight. This is what Solomon said. Keep those eyes focused. Keep your feet focused. Don't get sidetracked. Just keep going where you're going. Look out ahead. If you need an example, look to Jesus. 
because of the joy awaiting him endured the cross. Just, just keep that focus. Don't, don't turn left. Don't turn right. Just stay on that narrow path and you'll do fine. And if you know that that's hard to do because everything in the world is going down that broad road that Jesus talked about, the wide road. And he said, no, narrow is the road that leads to life. And that's what Solomon's trying to tell his son. Guard your feet, son. Guard your feet. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. I don't know how many times over the last almost 25 years I've had these conversations with people who are in a, they're in a state of brokenness. They say, can I make an appointment to come see you? Sure. And then they come and they tell me about some really stupid decision to make. And now what do we do? How do we pick up the pieces of where we go? You know, my, you know, I did this. I shouldn't have done that. I've destroyed my marriage. I've destroyed my whatever family. I've destroyed them. And they made this decision. I don't know, what, what do I do? How do I? See, at the time, they didn't think it through. I don't know what, what I'm doing with my mic. I don't know. Sorry. At the time, they didn't think it through. At the time, just like those decisions we make, like what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. They just get let their... They, they, they just kind of let all of this go. Their heart, their eyes, their mind, their feet, all, all, so it's just all gone. And now they're thinking, what do I do? Because they thought they were bulletproof. They thought, you know what? That's, everybody else can follow that destruction. I, I, I'm smarter than everybody else. I, it ain't gonna happen to me. And then they find themselves in that situation and now they're gonna help me. How do I pick up the pieces? Turn to Jesus and a lot of work to restore what you've broken. There's no shortcut. But I'm telling you, 100 times out of 100, it's better to be proactive and never have to get to that conversation. Like to, 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 to guard those things that are valuable to you. To guard that heart. To guard your mouth. To guard your eyes. To guard your feet. It's a lot easier to do it on the front end than to come back later and go, hey, help me. Now we'll help you. But it isn't going to be a wave and a magic wand and everything's back to what it was. That doesn't work that way. That's why Solomon's telling his son, son, don't live in a way, he called them like the evil people, the wicked people. Be like the righteous people. So where do we go from here? Well, Look, let's face it again. We own, we, a lot of, we've all made bad decisions. There's nobody in here that hasn't made some bad decisions. Fortunately, because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God, he makes beauty for ashes. He turns mourning into dancing. There are good days. There are bright days ahead. It doesn't mean you have to live where you're at right now in that state of regret and, oh man, the world's falling apart. You can with the help of God, restore things. So let's just kind of paint a picture. All right, so if you're here today, you don't know Jesus, your step, your step, next step, give your life to Jesus. If you've done that, next step, you haven't done this, obediently follow Jesus in believer's baptism. 
If you're here and you're going, man, I've, man, I've destroyed everything. Is there any hope? Yes, there's hope. Change some things now so you don't repeat it. Repent before God. Try to make restitution where you've hurt people. Try to restore and rebuild those relationships or whatever it was that you destroyed. And take it a day at a time. God's not through with you. If we were done every time we made a bad decision and, and we said, hey, the only people that could stay in this room are people who made, always made good decisions, I'll lead the procession. Let's all head out the door, okay? Because that isn't going to happen. But by the grace of God, we're here today. By the grace of God, he's restored what, what you know, um, the, a lot of the bad things we've done and, and mistakes we've made. And he has a way of, of doing that. And I, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And I'm thankful to God. But no matter where you are today, just trust him. Just trust him. He won't lead you astray. Just take it one day at a time to say, all right, Jesus, today, I'm going to do exactly what I need to do. My heart, my eyes, my mouth, my feet, all of that, I can be in alignment with you. Let's pray together. together. Lord, sometimes it's tough to be faced with realities like decisions because we all, we all have made bad decisions. None of us get it right all the time. But when we hear this instruction, in our minds, we go, of course, that makes sense. And then we go outside these doors and we face real life. And we're put in situations where we've got decisions to make. And we've got choices. And a lot of times, we, rather than allow the Spirit of God to lead us, we kind of get off base a little bit. So God, I just pray for every person in this room who maybe has made a mess of things because of some choices, that they would realize that there is hope in Jesus and Jesus alone, that there are bright days coming down the road, and that even though it may look dark and dreary today, that the sun's going to shine again tomorrow. And I pray for those who have never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the most important decision a person can make. For those who have been sitting on the fence thinking, well, I, I just won't make a decision not realizing, realizing that not making a decision is making a decision. So I pray that today they would say yes to Jesus. And God, for those who maybe have already made that decision, that they would be courageous enough to say, I'm going to follow through in believer's baptism. Many people already know that they're going to do that. They've signed up and they've got, are ready to go. But there are some people I know, God, that you're speaking to right now. And they're on that kind of that, well, I don't know if this is the right time and I don't, I'm not ready. I just pray, God, that, they would sh that you would show them that one step of obedience, one step of obedience always leads to good things. So if you're here today and you want Jesus Christ in your life and you're ready to repent of your sins and turn to him, maybe offer a prayer like this, Jesus, I lay down my life before you and I ask you to forgive me for all the times that I've made bad decisions that I've sinned against you and others. And I invite you to be my Lord and Savior from this day forward, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. Thank you for your forgiveness, for what you did on that cross, for the joy awaiting you. You endured the cross for me. So I give you my life today. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who 
have made that decision, maybe just now or maybe sometime in the past, but have never been baptized, that today your spirit would speak to their hearts. And that they would, starting today, just start obediently following you. And saying, God said it, I'm going to do it. So have your way, God. Over the next few minutes, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.